time for Football Friday Night Post Game on Power 105. The Football Friday Night Post Game Show is brought to you by Atomic Credit Union, Minuteman Press, Wendy's, Airline Church of Christ, Donato's, and Steve Abdella of Auto Exchange. Now, here's your host, Michael Roth. Playoffs. Playoffs. We had some playoffs. Week 12 action all across the state of Ohio. And listeners right here on WXTQ, they just got done hearing the Nelsonville York Buckeyes advance to the regional semifinals. Carl, you were there. Let's hear instant reaction. Nelson New York touchdown with three seconds left. Six, six, six seconds. seconds. Uh, wow. Um, that may be the best game of football I will ever lay eyes on down here. Possibly ever. I praise. It, uh, yeah. Uh, it was incredible. So, I'll start from the very beginning. Loudonville, uh, they looked really good in... Really, Loudonville's offense never got off the ground. But when they did, read option was the key. But they weren't able to do it as much. I think the, the key moment in this game, Loudonville on their second possession, they uh, NY went for it on fourth down at their own 40-yard line, didn't get it. Loudonville got the ball. They drove down to the four-yard line. And a lot of the big play on, player on that drive was Baylor Weiser. Um, I believe he's a junior. Yes, he's a junior, um, but he he had he was having a huge game. He's kind of was their five tool player. Uh, he gets a third down conversion. They get down to the uh, Nelsonville York four yard line, but on the tackle lands awkwardly, lands on his leg, has to be carted off. And really, after that, Loudonville's offense was really just spurts here and there, and they were able to put some together some good plays. They scored a touchdown on a read option. Uh, by uh, Matt Sprang, great player. Um, I think Parker compared him to Lamar Jackson on air, and and I don't know quite. I wouldn't quite go that far, but he was very, very. He, he could make something out of nothing, and he did, had to do that quite a few times. Um, Loudonville was not able to pass the ball very well, um, but. Neither was NY, and really we sat there in a stalemate for a while. NY was the better team throughout the entire game, but they just couldn't do anything. It was failure to launch in the first half. The first half was really just the teams feeling each other out and trying to figure out, okay, what works and what doesn't. NY tried to do a little bit of trickery with Landon Inman. Uh, Inman ended up throwing two picks on those. Uh, they, 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 they had that wildcat formation they've been putting together for the last few weeks, and it kind of bit them this week in the first half because – uh, they tried having Inman pass the ball, and it worked out. You know, it, it, with shorter routes, that works well. They're trying to have him pass the ball down 40 yards down the field, and uh, they were a little bit underthrown. Did and it look like Amari Cooper against the Bengals? A little bit, yes. It did look a little bit like that, except uh, unlike Amari Cooper, uh, he could get the ball past about 15 yards. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it was just it was just back and forth. Nobody could tell anything. Nobody could really do anything. Um, and most of the time, most of the drive stalled out around midfield. 
And then it just changed in the second half. NY came out, and they decided, you know what? We're turning back the clocks. You know, we got the, the turning back the clocks this weekend. They turned back the clock. NY did all the way back to the 1980s, 1990s. They went smash mouth football, uh, run the ball as hard as they can down their throats, and it worked. Um, one key thing uh, for Loudonville, on defense, uh, they were without their star defensive end, Micah Simpson. Uh, we found out after the game, he, he had a torn ACL. Still tried playing on it. He, he tried going. He tried his best to go on. He, he came out for, like, I think one or two plays, but he just couldn't do it. Um, and that really hurt. That really hurt uh, Loudonville's defense, but they still put up a hell of an effort. Um, Loudonville's defense kept them in this game, um, especially in the second half. Uh, NY kept driving the ball down the field, running the ball down the field. And it was actually surprising who was running the ball down the field for NY. Normally, you'd expect it to be Hudson Stalder or Tommy Mitchell. Gavin Richards had a huge second half. Um, but NY had three possessions in the second half. All three of those ended inside the Loudonville 10-yard line. The first one was uh, Loudonville punched the ball out. Uh, I, I couldn't see, neither me or Parker could see uh, who got the forced fumble there. But Loudonville ended up getting the forced fumble. They recovered it. They get the ball at the 10-yard line. And they are not able to do anything on offense, but they're able to, you know, put the pressure off of their defense for a bit. They punt the ball. NY gets it about the 40-yard line. They drive down the field again. They get down inside the five. They stall out due to a false start penalty, and they end up kicking a field goal. And it, it was uh, Ben Perry tried originally a 25-yard field goal. Loudonville jumps off sides, ends up being a 20-yard field goal, and... There was a lot of pressure on the inside. I couldn't see if it was tipped or not, but uh, a ton of pressure in there, uh, and Perry wasn't able to put it in. So it's still 7-7. Loudonville's defense holds up for a second time. And then finally, uh, Loudonville, they got to about the middle of the field, and then they finally had to punt the ball back away again. NY drove down the field. Um, The key play, uh, third and seven. It's third and seven for the Buckeyes at the Loudonville 25-yard line with about a minute and a half to go. Makai Williams, uh, it looked like it was supposed to be a screen pass. Nobody blocked. Everybody was downfield. Uh, there were three Loudonville players rushing towards Makai Williams. And Makai Williams, he struggled to run the ball a little bit sometimes this year. He's kind of just tried forcing passes and stuff at times. You know, he hasn't used his legs as much. But... He used his legs when it was most important today, able to pry off a linebacker at about the 15-yard line and got inside the five with about a minute to go. Got out of bounds inside the five, put him at the three. NY, first play, stopped. No gain. Second play, they did the Landon Inman package. Uh, brought him in there. He rushed off, off tackle, uh, got inside the one-yard line, marked just short. Nine seconds to go. And then I think that Loudonville was expecting a QB sneak. And what they started doing in the second half to some success to kind of try to counteract Nelsonville York is what they would do is they'd take their offensive linemen and they would burrow them pretty much. They'd sit there and they'd uh, they pretty much just dive down on the ground at the feet of the NY offensive linemen 
So what that causes to do, because a stalemate is a win for the defense. So what they do is they try to force a stalemate. So what you have to do as an offensive lineman there is you have to get all your weight underneath them, pretty much deadlift them up and push them up. Once they're up, it's fine, but it's hard. It's very hard to deadlift these people, especially when you're going to have to sit there and do it in about like that. You have a second and a half maybe before the running back tries to hit the hole. Loudonville had success with that, but they did not have success with it on that time. I, I think what they pretty much did is they only had three down linemen there, and so what they did is they had the three down linemen if they tried burrowing, uh, and why pretty much just laid on top of them, and Gavin Richards had, oh, I'd say about a five-foot hole to run into into the end zone, into really NY history. Um, it was, I mean, I did not expect a defensive slugfest. I'm going to be honest, I pretty much the entire week, I'm, I'm prepping for a close game, but I figured it was going to be a closer game, kind of like what we were seeing in like Cambridge, uh, Columbus East, where it, it's a game that's like, 27 27 or something like that going down to the wire i never in a million years thought we would be 7 7 on to the last play Nelsonville york advances with a 14 to 7 win over loudonville buckeyes the number two seed await the winner because bel-air hosting their game tomorrow afternoon bel-air still with no Lights, so they cannot I, play. Aren't, aren't they upgrading their stadium, too? <clears throat> next year. I thought they were upgrading it this year. I mean, at least next year they'll finally get... Uh, why do, don't they have lights? you know the story behind that? I know you, uh, with Gridiron Glory you did a story about that last year. Yeah, so there was some legal uh, permit of where the stadium is that they didn't... Uh, they, like, never allowed them to build lights. Hmm. Which was kind of bizarre. It's literally, like, right across the street from a huge grocery store. <laughs> and I think that's where everybody parks for the games. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a main right. road, got a grocery store, and right across the street's the football field. And I remember for Gridiron Glory, we had to walk probably, it was probably like a 10-minute walk because we had to park on the far side of the grocery store to get to this game. I mean, it was a big game. It was Bel Air St. Clairsville, so it was probably more popping than an average game would be. But when you combine Saturday morning grocery shoppers and a Bel Air football home game. There was oh, a lot especially, of Especially one against St. Clairsville. Yeah. Speaking of St. Clairsville, I saw they were in a close one against Hartley. Reedy. 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 Yeah, they fell. But we're going to, we'll get to all the other games later. We're here to focus on the Nelsonville York Buckeyes who advance to the regional semifinals. It's been a couple years for NY. They'd been to the playoffs, but. 2017 was the last time. I think the closest they were was that last one season. fateful night in Proctorville. Um, where they had, oh, yeah, yeah, they last were, they season were they also lost that. to Fort Fry in the same round that they lost to yeah. Fairland. And how close was that? How close was that? Fort I don't Fry believe game? that. Fort I don't Fry think game it was, was very super close. Yeah, that like the Fort, the Fairland game was probably the closest thing they had to that. And some uh, some questionable officiating in that. One. So I've heard. So I've heard of that. <laughs> have you seen the video? <laughs> I have not seen the video. Oh, You're bad. gonna have to show that to me during one of these breaks. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, not biased. I got know the coaches at both NY and Fairland. Um, well, both great, both great men. Yeah, it's it was a really bad call. A very, very bad call. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, don't want to take away from what the 2022 Nelsonville York Buckeyes did, which was, it, it seems like based on what you said, I obviously wasn't at the game. I was trying to pay attention to all the games across Southeast Ohio. Once again, we'll go through 
Division three, Division four, Division five. We're in Division six right now and Division seven action. Also, preview some next round games, but it seems like Nelsonville York was the tougher team tonight. Yes. NY was the better team throughout. Their defense completely stifled Loudonville, um, with the exception of the read option, which uh, the Redbirds really didn't run as much as I think they should have. Um, but with the exception of that, I mean, that was all that you had offensively. And it ended up, uh, I mean, but the defense, the Redbird defense really stepped up and they, they forced a few key turnovers. They were able to bend but don't break up until the very, very end of the game. I mean, it was... Yeah, they were six seconds away from they, sending that to OT. They were. They really were. They were one play away. What... What was the NY defense doing that was so successful? Because you talk about how Loudonville bended but didn't break. It seems like Nelsonville York's defense didn't bend very much either. It was all because of the linebacking core. Um, especially, especially the read options were a little bit rough at times. But since Loudonville wasn't able to really do much with that, the secondary, the secondary, I will be honest, the secondary looked a little bit iffy last week against Grove City Christian. They really shorted up this week. Uh, the secondary looked a lot better. The pass rush, very good. The linebackers were the key to this game. Leighton Logie and Hudson Stalder both did very good from the linebacking position, able to read their keys, and which was very key for the Buckeyes. You had to read their keys, especially with an offense with as much motion and misdirection as what Loudonville's had. You had to be able to read their keys, and they were able to do that. One key thing looking into next week, though, Hudson Stalder left the game early in the fourth quarter with what looked like a leg injury. He was really actually in the third quarter, um, the last play of the third quarter. He, he stumbled off, um, looked like one of his legs was hurting. Uh, he never came back into the game. They were checked him out uh, on the sideline for a while. He, he never did come back into the game. So that's going to be a big loss for NY. Yeah, because that changes up what they want to do with the Russian game and uh, how uh, uh, I obviously wasn't at the game. How, how was uh, the Buckeyes passing game with, uh, with it, the it was okay, but they really didn't, they really didn't try too much of it. Uh, they didn't really need to, to be honest in the second half, the second half, they were happy with just getting four or five yards of carry. And, and that's where Gavin Richards and I cannot speak enough to this young man. he, he really stepped up. He stepped up in that second half, and he won NY that game. W without Gavin Richards, NY does not, is not able to move the ball as well because Tommy Mitchell, I don't think, is still 100%. Uh, he was used sparingly, uh, at least on offense, and Hudson Stalder being out that entire fourth quarter. And even before that, Gavin Richards really had his coming out party. Gavin Richards really sat there, and he was just able to rush the ball better. He was able to hit the holes faster and that's nothing on Stalder, but it just, it was a different look that Loudonville wasn't exactly prepared for. They were prepared for the, uh, you know, running and smash mouth football with Stalder. I don't think they were expecting the mix of speed and strength that uh, Gavin Richards threw at them. Once again, Nelsonville York, 14 to seven winners advanced to the regional semifinals for the first time since 2017. I'm your host, Michael Roth, alongside Carl Blalock, who is at the game. We've been breaking this down for the first 15 minutes. Phone lines are open, 740-592-1055.
Let your voice be heard about any game in Southeast Ohio tonight. We're going to get to all of them, but we want to focus on the one Athens County team that played tonight and is going to be still playing next weekend. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, continued coverage from Boston Field. You're listening to Football Friday Night here on Power 105. Tweeting it. Tweeting it. Twitter. What are you tweeting? Everything. Are you tweeting? We are. Follow us on Twitter at WXTQ Power 105. Nacho fries are back at Taco Bell. You know, the fries covered in bold Mexican spices you dip in a warm nacho cheese sauce. You can also dunk them into nacho cheese sauce or pour the sauce onto a pile of them and create like a nacho fries nachos. The thing is that you eat them with nacho cheese sauce. That's what makes them nacho fries. Otherwise, you're just eating fries and sipping on nacho cheese sauce, and that's the wrong way. Sorry. Just really passionate about nacho fries. Nacho fries are back. Only at Taco Bell. At participating U.S. Taco Bell locations for a limited time only while supplies last. Contact local store for hours and participation, which vary. Main wreckage on the south side of the tracks. Report of male driver late 20s, severe injuries. Copy that. Can you see the vehicle? No, it's way up there. I heard a witness say the stop arm was down, but he tried to beat the train anyway. Too many drivers are killed crossing railroad tracks, even though they know a train is approaching. What they don't know is, even after it breaks, a train can take up to a mile to stop. Requesting ambulance stretcher to show a crash victim back to the road. Copy. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Power 105. Hey, what's up? It's your music-loving friend, Rick Dees. Don't forget to join me every Sunday morning, 10 to 2. We go all the way to number one. Right here, the weekly Top 40 countdown on Power 105. Power 105. Weather. Look for sunny skies to change into just a plain old partly cloudy night as we fall from the 70s back down to the mid-50s. Saturday's super warm, but turning mostly cloudy. 78 degrees, probably a good 15 degrees above normal. Showers kick in very late Saturday night. We'll see some showers Sunday, but staying warm around 70, 72 degrees for the high. I'm 13 News Chief Meteorologist Spencer Atkins. Back here on Football Friday Night, Michael Roth here with Carl Blaylock. We have been discussing Nelsonville York's 14-7 victory over Loudonville. Buckeyes advance to the regional semifinals for the first time since 2017. Off the back of a great defensive effort and a bunch of drives where it seems like they were chipping away. And then finally broke through. I mean, Carl, you, you said it best. <laughs> Gavin Richards had a five-foot lane to run through. That seems like Nelsonville, York, they were chipping, chipping, chipping away. And eventually, with six seconds left, Loudonville just kind of broke. Yeah. And, I mean, Loudonville, I mean, they had, it was a half yard that NY had to get. And uh, they were able to get it. Now, did just... the Buckeyes have any timeouts? Yeah, they had one timeout okay. left. So if that play didn't work, there was going to be a fourth yes, down play. Yes, there was going to be a fourth down play if that didn't work. Um, so, I mean, it just – I'm still in disbelief. That is – I will probably say this a lot, that that was the best football game I've watched this season. That's the best football game I've watched since I've been down here the last two years. The only one that could come anywhere close to that was that Granville-Western Brown game. Mm. In the regional very finals. different type of game, very different type of game. But that's the type that's the type of game I thought coming into this game we would see. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if NY has that explosive. I mean, not, not that explosive yeah. an offense, but more of a more of an offensive game. More, I was thinking like 41-27 or something like that. Maybe 41-31 or something like that. Now not, you mentioned uh, 
Gavin Richards really helping the team out offensively in the second half, um, doing big-time work replacing Hudson Staller, who had to leave the game with injury. Um, what do you see from Leighton Logie? Obviously catches the touchdown pass and also is a huge defensive force for the Buckeyes. Logie, well, he mossed, by the way. That was a moss, pretty much. I mean, he went up there up against uh, one of the Loudonville defensive backs, and he just picked it up out of the air and grabbed it, brought it down for the touchdown. Um, Logie did. And then just on defense, like, he was just around. I think he only got, like, one sack on the day, but he was really good at keeping contained. There was only, like, two or three times where um, – Logie had his contain broke by Sprang, uh, Loudonville's quarterback. So it was just a really good job by Logie to be able to hold that contain. He might not have had as many tackles as uh, what he normally ended up having. I know that that's been a point of discussion. I don't know if you <laughs> – that's been a point of discussion around the Gridiron Glory circles out of the reporters because uh, Logie on the season has, I believe, 170 tackles he's marked down for. Yeah. Um, and we did get at my high school when I was in, I was maybe a freshman or a sophomore. He led, he led all Northeast Ohio in tackles at like 160, but he had no playoff games. He had 160 in like 10 games. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's really impressive. Logie definitely showed that, uh, tonight. Uh, I don't think he had as many tackles as what he normally does, but he did his job on the defense. He was able to read his keys and block the holes that were needed. Once again, Nelsonville, York, 14, Loudonville, 7. The Buckeyes await the winner of Bel Air. And Bel Air is... Worthington Christian. Yes, taking on Worthington Christian. What, what do you think NY needs to, not necessarily fix, but just make sure that they do if they want to advance to the regional championship? Shore up on turnovers. Um, that is one thing. Uh, shore up on turnovers and be able to finish drives. Uh, because against Bel Air, I, I, I'll be it. I haven't, I haven't seen anything at Bel Air for a while. I remember we covered and we followed them pretty closely the first few weeks. But uh, after that, we kind of stepped back a little bit and paying attention as much to Bel Air uh, once they got into – they're in the OVAC, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, so once they got into that conference – we kind of stepped back in what they were doing and what we were uh, looking at them with. But uh, I think that with an offense with Bel Air, and, you know, NY's defense is going to come to play, but I think with Bel Air, depending on how healthy they are, uh, I think they're actually going to be able to break through that Buckeye defense. And so it's going to be key for the Buckeyes to be able to finish their drives and not have any turnovers. Um they can't have any turnovers. They are their defense locked down against the Redbirds tonight, but they might not be able to do that against the Big Reds. And so we're going to have or to Worthington see. Worthington Christian. Or Worthington, Worthington Christian has given uh, the teams in their MSL division a lot of trouble with their offense. Well, who, who else is in that division, though, with the exception of Burn Union? Not I mean, a lot of tough teams. No. I mean, you have Burn Union is about the only really other good team in that, in that uh, division of the MSL. Maybe... I, I can't even think who else. Grove City Christian, Fairfield Christian Academy, both those Miller. teams aren't the Miller. I mean, <sighs> you, you're not you can't gonna, really compete at that level. You know what I mean? No, no, you can't. So a, a lot of that offense is kind of unknown. And who did they play last week? 
more uh, than Christian. Than Christian uh, they put up 55 points on Mount Gilead. Ah, uh, yeah. Which, uh, do you know anything about Mount Gilead? They went six and four in the regular season. Um, I know they beat Loudonville 18-13. Hmm. So. That was earlier in the season, though. I know Loudonville really flipped a switch in the late part of the season. But, uh, yeah, Loudonville lost three in a row to Mount Gilead, Centerburg, and Danville by five, seven, and 12 points, respectively. A three-point win over Fredericktown in, um, what's this, week seven really shifted the tide of their season because they were two and four. Yeah, I mean, they, they uh, I know Coach, when I talked to him, uh, he said they had pretty much like a, a seniors meeting and they just went, hey, we're tired of losing. We're not going to lose anymore. And that's the fight that Loudonville put up. But, I mean, uh, Mount Gilead, yeah, who knows? Plus, they had to drive probably an hour, an hour 30, maybe even more to Worthington Christian. Uh, so, I yeah, mean. They had to go to Westerville. Yeah. I don't even know where that is. That's no, a joke that Worthington Christian is in Worthington. Uh, Westerville oh, Christian. that's right. That's right. I, you told me that story before. Yep. Uh, you, ended up, you ended up in the wrong gym, didn't you? I ended Something up like at that. the middle school. Yeah. The Worthington Christian Middle School. Not the high school enough for the game you ended up wanting to go to that day. But I, I got there. I got there, though, before it tipped off. It was, you know who I was seeing? Hmm. Unioto, and I saw freshman Tavion Galloway. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting game. But anyways, I, I, I'm not sold on Worthington Christian. I mean, they can prove it, obviously, tomorrow. If they take down Bel Air, they prove it. But... I, I'm just not sold. I'm just not sold on Worthington Christian, and I'm not probably going to be. I, I think that's that's Bel Air. Bel Air is should win that game. I think Bel Air should win that game. Worthington Christian, they, the only team they beat that ended, actually, they did not beat. The only team they beat with a winning record in the regular season uh, was Mount Gilead, first round of playoffs, and Burn Union. Everybody else that they beat was either five and five or worse. And in Burn Union, it was not exactly the best team that was above five hundred. So yeah, I mean, they went seven and three. They uh, they beat who was on their schedule most of the time. I mean, they, they they did have that good win over Portsmouth Notre Dame. I'll give them that. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just I, I can't see where they can Christian. I, I would have to give the edge to Bel Air. I really think Bel Air is the better team. I do too, and that would uh, that'd be a really exciting game. NY and Bel Air. I mean, they've only played once before. Uh, when I was talking with Coach Rusty Richards uh, during our midweek interview that we have for the pregame show, uh, he showed me this really cool website. It's called Four Seasons Football. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, Roth, but basically, especially for the teams around here, they have all the teams that are down here, and it has all the games of all time. And then it has a sorted by tab by different play teams. They played once before back in, I believe it was a regional semis back in 1997. Bel Air won at 39-6. Uh, that was up in Zanesville. So, Two schools with a lot of history, but I wonder how many times they were in the same region. Because sometimes yeah. Bel Air had gone north. Or, or, or division as well, because NY, NY jumps has jumped back and forth a little bit so as well. So was Bel Air. Bel Air was just Division 5 last year. Um, it's also going to be interesting if it is Bel Air. There's some really nice neutral sites for them to play it at. I mean, you got Zanesville. You Zanesville got, and Cambridge. 
Those are the Cambridge two as that well. Really I didn't think of Cambridge. Zane, Zanesville, Cambridge. And I mean, I guess you could try could, Muskingum, but I'm not sure what their situation is. Would Warren be an, uh, 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 would they host ever? Uh, I, I don't know if they would. I mean, they got the new turf field, so. Yeah, War. They could. I mean, Warren they, isn't too much out of the way. Warren's pretty far for Bel Air to get to, though. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I guess yeah, because it's not. It's not a. It's not on a highway drive. Yeah, where Bel Air is just coming from seventy, they can get to Cambridge and Zanesville very easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where instead Bel Air would be driving across the Ohio River for a while. Oh, all good old Ohio Seven. I don't know if it's good. It's old. Though. It's better than West Virginia too. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. That's obviously a Saturday game. Yes. Because divisions four, five, and six are on Saturday. No, uh, four, six, and seven. For some reason, five oh. is on Friday. I don't know. I like that though because um, I, I like that it's going to be on division five is going to be on Friday because that means that. You know, once we get to this point, if Ironton Harvest Prep, if that is what I hope, I mean, it, that is what is hopefully written in the stars. They've been fighting towards it every single week. I'm going to, I mean, we talked about this off air. Interesting. We're I, going I to that thought game. that game was on a Saturday. No, it's oh. on a Friday. Interesting. Because the Division 5 because for some it used reason. To be, it used to be 4, 5, and 6. Because you used to have one, two, three, and seven on Fridays. No, it was last year they changed it. It was one, two, three, six. Seven was always on Saturdays. Because I remember, uh, because they had the one year in 2017 where every single game was on. Because it used to be back in 2011, all the playoff games were on Saturday, even if it was like a neutral site or even if it was like a home field. I'm talking about like in 2018. No, 2018, 2017, every single game was on. 2017, every single game was on the, uh, on a Friday. Yeah, I'm talking. And then 2018, 2019. nope, tw- Division Seven was uh, on a Saturdays. Huh. Because uh, we were Division Seven, and we always had to play on Saturdays. Interesting. Uh, because I know, I know for a fact it was like that in 2019 because I missed that LSU Alabama game. Mm. You, you know the one with Burrow and Tua. Yep. I missed that because we had to play Macomb. Hmm, rough day. Rough yeah. day for Carl all around. Well, no, I mean, we beat Macomb somehow. I mean, we got, we got revenge for, that was in 2019, oh. the year after. We got revenge for them. Uh, we got revenge for them uh, ruining my chance of ever having a ring, at least a state yeah. champion ring. I should have one on my finger. Uh, but I, I, I'm always going to be mad about that. I'm always going to be mad. my chance to ever have a ring. <laughs> I know. Hey. Man, Carl. Rough. I mean, I mean, hey, hey, it's all I'm going to say is it should have been Edgerton beating the crap out of Tremble and Canton instead of, uh, McComb, but wow, wow. Oh, hey, we were the best region in the state. I'm just going to leave it no, at that. No, that triple team was good. That triple team, that triple team, team was good. I, I will say they probably give us, they, it probably was probably going to be a closer fight, uh, with us than what it would have been against, uh, Macomb, Macomb, I think, because it would have depended on how we practiced that week. But, I mean, quite simply, that region, we knew whoever won that region was going to win state. Because you look, I mean, look at the AP poll from that year. If you look at 2018, you look at Division Six, Region 26, or Division Seven, Region 26. I think it was a combined five losses between all the schools. And three of them were from one team that played in a conference with D4 and D5 schools. And... 
in the Associated Press poll, all eight teams were in the top 11. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most stacked regions of all time. So NY waiting for the winner of Bel Air and Worthington Christian to see who their opponent will be. On the other side of this region, Fort Fry having no trouble putting up 71 points. I mean, this cadet offense is crazy explosive. Yeah, they, I mean, I caught the very end of that game and it just, it's unbelievable. I mean, if they're firing on all cylinders, I, I don't know what stops them. I, I really don't. Um, their speed. If they're, they, they hit big plays, they don't turn the ball over that much. It's a very complete Fort Bry offense. Their defense has taken a step back from where it has been in I, other years where I they've competed. I still think that it's like, and remember they had some injuries on defense, did they not early yes. in the season? I, mm-hmm. I think they're getting healthy again. And I think it certainly speaks to the fact that they held Shenandoah to, I think, only 12 points with the varsity's in. Yeah, I yeah. believe so. I mean, it was like 40 to nothing at halftime. So. Exactly. I mean, like, I think that speaks to the defense really stepping up a little bit because that's no slouch in the Shenandoah offense. Shenandoah has a pretty solid offense, and they're being able to slow that down as much as they did. Albeit, it's definitely not an offense like what you're going to see in Marion Local or. Uh, maybe Kirtland. I don't know. I'm not exactly, I'm not as well versed with Kirtland, how good they are uh, offensively and defensively. I mean, I'm sure they're very solid, but I know for a fact, Marion local, um, that's going to be really Fort Price thing. They got to make sure they stay healthy and they got to make sure that they don't have any slip ups because uh, with Bel Air and I, I don't think Cole Grove is going to give them that much of a game. Cole Grove is just, did you see what happened in the Cole Grove game? Tonight? They gave up four onside kicks. I, I, I saw the yeah. text of that, and I'm, that can't be real. That was real? So Cole Grove was up 39-13 to 13 with 11 and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Cole Grove was down 40-39 to 39 with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, Cole Grove is They had... gave up 27 points in about a four-and-a-half, five-minute span. Cole Grove has just been one of those teams the entire year where they just you just look at their games and you just go, how in the world did this happen? Look at the Megs game, for example. Like I remember we're sitting there looking at 61-34. How did that happen? Last week against Malvern, I mean, that was, that was another wild game. I think they won like 67-43, and that was another one. You just sat there and you just, What? That was another game to where I saw Cole Grove was pulling away, and then they suddenly weren't. It was just, what? Yeah, I mean, Cole Grove, they got figured out a little bit at the end of the year, held the six points against Ironton and Fairland. Oh, that's Ironton. Fairland, Fairland, that is a good one, but Ironton is just, oh, they're Ironton. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and then they took the close losses to Portsmouth and Gallia before that. Four four game losing streak. They were back at five and four, but then went over Rock Hill, gets them to six and four, 67 points in round one. And then Cole Grove, right after they gave up the lead, scored a touchdown, got the two point conversion to go up seven. Uh, and then West Jefferson drove, apparently, the, the pass in the end zone, potential contact for a pass interference not called. <laughs> um, and Cole Grove survives. What is up with Southern Ohio and interesting pass interference calls at the end of games? That was, that was according to the SEO preps guy, that there was contact in the end zone, no flag, Cole Grove wins. Hmm. Um, and he seemed like a Cole Grove fan, so the fact he even admitted there was some contact, well, 
Uh, we'll have to wait for the video to come out from that. But that denies yeah. Wes Jefferson a rematch with Fort Fry. And, I mean, with how Wes Jefferson played this year, I think Fort Fry wanted that more than oh, yes. anything. It, it, and I can speak from this uh, from experience. I talked about that kind of Macomb game. Uh, it, there is nothing better, even if they're having a down year, to get revenge on a team that knocked you out the year before. Yep. Uh, there's there's nothing like it. It it, uh, it felt so good and to why be Macomb. And get that. Couple, and why couldn't get that? They could get that. It, it's going to be a rough one to do that. But it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's not like it's not like your West Jefferson ever down your Fort Fry is still still number one. They're still the top dogs. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested. I think that's going to be the real test for this Fort Fry uh, defense. How much can they hold, Colgrove? I mean, it's it's really just a question of how good is your run defense, if we're being honest. But still. How good is their run defense? For Colgrove? No, for Fort Fry. Because, I mean, all you have to do really is stop Chase Hall. Oh, no, that's not what I'm worried about. Well, I'm still still interested to see the defense uh, from Fort Fry. If they can hold Colgrove. Fort Fry, the score is 70? Yeah, they did. No, 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 no. Next week. Oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, look, Malvern put up 43 against them. I'm thinking... If there, if you could bet on what game has the most points in the state next week, I'm betting on that one. Oh, uh, I, I trust Fort Fry's defense. I mean, especially so, so especially since Colgrove's a little one dimensional, though. Colgrove's so one dimensional, though. Chase Hall is that team. Chase so Hall Chase is Hall, that offense. Chase Hall didn't have either of the first two touchdowns. Hmm. Um, I think they had like three or four touchdowns not scored by Chase Hall tonight. That's um, a rarity. So Fort Fry's defense, they've given up 26 to Bel Air, 27 to Zanesville, mostly in garbage time, 28 to Warren, mostly in garbage time, 41 to Lindsley, 20 to Williamstown. I mean, there's been some cracks. There were some years where Fort Fry was giving up like seven points a game. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it hasn't been as stout, especially with the backups. So I, I, think, I think Colgrove will score. I just don't know. I don't know how Colgrove stops Fort Fry. That is. They don't. That is my question. But they don't. They don't stop Fort Fry. I mean, you got to you gotta go out there and try something because. I mean, this is this is a battle too. the top running backs in the state between Owen Brown and Chase Hall. Those two guys. Touchdowns on. Touchdowns. What, what would you, what would you set, uh, say hypothetically, if there was an over-under that was set for this game, what would you set it at? Would you set it at like 120? No, no, that's way too high. Like I would say the average final score of this game. I'd say, I would guess Fort Fry is probably going to score around 56 points. And I think Colgrove is going to score... Let's say 35. So that would be. That'd be 91. I'd probably set the over under at like 91 and a half, 92 and a half. I feel like Fort Fry gets over 60 again. I, I would say 64. Maybe, I'd say like yeah, 64, 64. Okay. So when you start setting lines, yeah. here's how I think about it. We're getting sports betting lessons yes. with Michael Roth. Uh huh. <laughs> 
Think about if the game went 20 points over that line and 20 points under that line. If one of those results is dramatically more shocking, it's probably a bad line. So I don't think I could set it at like 64 for Fort Fry's total. Because if they scored 84, that would be insane. And if they scored 44, I wouldn't be very surprised. So that's why I would move it to 56. Because if they scored 76, I'd be surprised. Like, it'd be really high. Yeah. But if they scored 36, I'd also be like, they should have scored more. Mm -hmm. Both of those sound funky. Where 44 doesn't sound all that funky for how many points they're going to put up. Fair so that's the way I look at it. If you add or subtract 20 points from like spreads or totals, do either one of those results scream off? No, no way this is going to happen. I think 84 kind of screams that way. Yeah, that's fair. I could see them do it though. I mean, I, I think they could. Yeah, I guess they could. Anything's possible with the, with the offense Fort Fry has. And especially against the defense has been a little bit suspect against Col- like Colgrove. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. A lot of, I think a lot of people were excited about Division Six Region Twenty Three, and I, th- I think it's lived up to the hype. Has it? I mean, I I was excited because you knew it was going to be best of the rest, and then it was going to be Fort Fry kind of lording over everybody. And so far, that's the way it's been. I was disappointed with Week One because look at Week One, a lot of blowouts. You had one. You had one game, and then I I what uh, was the close game? Malvern Colgrove was the only game that wasn't thirty. Oh yeah. Because I knew like the 8, 9, and 7, 10 games are blowouts, which those are usually the tight ones. The, the 7, 10 game wasn't so much a blowout. It was just Rock Hill. Well, Loudonville was able to get a sack on Rock Hill, and then once they got a sack against Rock Hill, Rock Hill can't throw the ball. So that, that's, what, that's what I heard from, uh, well, really both coaches. I mean, they both looked at the film for that game, mm-hmm. uh, both NY, or both Rusty Richards and uh, Coach Pataglia from uh, Loudonville. I mean, they both watched Italian the film name? from that game. Huh? Italian? Yeah, Pataglia. Nice. Yes. Like Olive that. Garden tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, hey. Sounds um, good. But yeah, I mean, I think the West Jeff Colgrove game lived up to the hype. I think that Fort Fry Colgrove game is going to be interesting next week. It's going to be interesting. I think that it will, the NY game obviously lived up to the hype tonight. I think next round's NY game is going to be big. Oh, it's going to be huge. I I am excited to see who they play. I'm a little bit disappointed. I know uh, Coach Richards. He was talking about uh, how he was probably going to get up out of the out of his bed. And- Playing high school sports, workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult. But school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the Ohio High School Athletic Association and the Ohio Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. Bang off the backboard by Azuma on a block. Kicks it back out straight on three. Roderick. Bang. Into the right corner. Miles Brown. Bang from three. Into the post. Clayton dunks it down with two hands. Third block right. Contact. Makes it up. And the horn. Katie Green and White. Ohio wins. Follow the action all season long on your home for the Bobcats. The Ohio Sports Network from Learfield. 
Don't miss Power 105's local music showcase, Groovy Soup. Join me, Paul Holden, every Sunday for local music and conversation with artists and bands from Ohio and across the Midwest. Play music and want to be part of the show? Email me at pholden at wxtq.com or reach out to Power 105 on Facebook. Can't catch the show live? All episodes are available on your favorite streaming service. Just search Groovy Soup. Catch the mashup of Melody's Groovy Soup, Sunday nights at 7, right here on Power 105. Power 105 Weather. Look for sunny skies to change into just a plain old partly cloudy night as we fall from the 70s back down to the mid-50s. Saturday, super warm, but turning mostly cloudy. 78 degrees, probably a good 15 degrees above normal. Showers kick in very late Saturday night. We'll see some showers Sunday, but staying warm around 70, 72 degrees for the high. I'm 13 News Chief Meteorologist Spencer Atkins. Back here on football Friday night, and we got a caller giving us some insight from the game he was at. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, uh, Mr. Ruff, um, calling after the game tonight, the Jackson and Granville game. I was there uh, broadcasting that game this evening. Um, and, man, uh, it was it was a rough night for the Granville Blue Aces. They just had some trouble holding on to the football. Um, that's really what changed the tide from Jackson. Jackson converted. 34 points off of turnovers tonight. Granville had a total of five turnovers. A um, pair of interceptions from Carson Crouch early in the second half really just put them behind at that point. Uh, or, correction, uh, Tyler Ernsberger um, put them behind uh, at that point. It, it just wasn't uh, – they were they were playing from a hole at that point, and Jackson just kind of took advantage of it. They were down in the uh, good field position every time. They just ran the ball. Uh, and this team, I mean – their offensive line is is quite stout. I will say moving forward, one of the one of the better ones I've seen this season. Yeah. So Jackson, thirty four points off of five turnovers. I mean, that's five touchdowns off of five turnovers. So it seems like the Ironmen really made Granville pay for every mistake they made. Yeah, they did. Um, and the other thing was that Jackson just kind of. They got out in front early. Um, they were the first ones to score. They went up 8 nothing. Uh, had a two-point conversion. Missed the uh, second one, but they were up 14-7 at a point. Looked like Granville was going to kind of sit around the ball game. Granville had some mistakes late in the first half. Uh, Jackson converted there. They ended up going in the half of 21-7. Their defense played really well. And, and honestly, I think this is one of the better teams um, in Region 11, if not the best team after night seeing them up close in person. Uh, Jacob Winters. He's in an offense where they don't even need him to perform to the best of his abilities. Um, in the first half, he threw a total of two passes. total of two passes. And both of his passes were perfectly where they needed to be. Uh, the first one was, unfortunately, an incompletion through it right where he needed to for his receiver bounce off his hand. Second one, they ran a Burt's concept, threw a seam route right down the field, threw a BB to the guy, caught it, was down at the one-yard line. I mean, when you're playing with a guy of that caliber, and you don't even need him to be the main facilitator in your offense. That's just something to to be bewildered. Uh, you just got to sit there and open your eyes and you know be in wonder about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like Coach Andy Hall just kind of thought, "Hey, we're gonna sit on the lead once they got it off a couple Granville turnovers, and um, obviously." more likely for you to get like a pick six or like a strip sack on winners than it is for one of your running backs to fumble. Yeah, did it seem like Jackson was just kind of 
all right, seems like we know we're better. We can push them around. Let's make sure that our offense doesn't give them opportunities to get back into the game. Uh, it was like that late in the ball game, I'll say. Um, it was very much that dynamic. You could see it late in the ball game. But Jackson started the second half. They were 21 7. Uh, they started the ball at the second half, and they actually went against that. Um, when he gets that, they had Winters dropping back to passing, and he fumbled the ball. Um, and Granville had the ball at the Jackson 35-yard line and unfortunately couldn't do anything with it. Um, you know, a pair of interceptions from Tyler Ernsberger from Granville really just kind of put them in a hole. And then that's when Jackson was just like, okay, we're going to rely on our run game. We're going to rely on our running backs of Cade Wolford and Nolan Johnson um, and Eli Broerman. I mean, those three really just ran rampant tonight. Cade Wolford ended up finishing with four rushing touchdowns on the evening. So, I mean, he, he had just a, a great game for him. Um, and they are definitely, I would say, a scary team to look out for. Um, I didn't get a final in that Bishop Watterson game, but it looked like that too. Jackson's going to play next weekend. And I think those two teams, I think the winner of that game could probably win that region. Uh, I really like that Bloom Carroll team. That's number five seed. They went, they, uh, you know, they dominated that game against Tri-Valley. Um, they've been playing up, up ever since. They've been trending upward. Um, that region, region 11, those three teams, uh, really the one team that I'm not too confident in is the team that's the one seed. I'm not too confident in Sheridan. I think every other team, though, can make a solid case of winning that region. And I think all three of those teams of Bishop Watterson, uh, Jackson, and Bloom Carroll are really just on a similar level this year. Yeah, uh, it, it seemed like uh, this region, it seemed like all eight teams were pretty even um, going into this week. But I, I think we all, at least I kind of felt like the four teams that won were a little head and shoulders above their competition. So now at this point, going into the regional semis, to me, it seems like any four of them can win it. Carl, Carl what was your analysis on the uh, region? 40, uh, 41-22, uh, Watterson beat London tonight. They kind of poured gotcha. it on at the end because it was it was 28-22 um, mm-hmm. at one point. But, yeah, that brings up a Jackson-Watterson game. It'll be at a neutral site. Um, could be at Chillicothe, a familiar place for Jackson. Um, I'm not sure if it was Jackson who called Chillicothe, like, their second home field. They were, talking about it uh, they were talking about playing there um, next week tonight after the game. They were like, well, I mean, we played a lot of the neutral side games there at Chillicothe. We're used to playing there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they play that game at Chillicothe, I mean, plus when you have a stadium like Jackson has, I mean, their home side was packed this evening compared to Granville's side. Granville and, maybe had. And it's a huge home stadium. Yeah, so they packed exactly. that big side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It was a great atmosphere for Ironton or the Ironman correction this evening um, of Jackson. It was just, uh, it was a great atmosphere for them. Coach had them ready to go. They were playing quite well. That's just, that's just how it worked out this evening. And, and I think that, like, like we said, I think those four teams that are left in that region are very similar to each other. I'm interested to see if who's going to win that Watterson and Jackson game next week, but also how they're going to win that ball game. Is it going to be a close game or are we going to get a 14 point victory either way? You know, I think those are questions that once are answered, then we'll get a grasp of who we might see as regional champ. Yeah. And then looking on the other side, I mean, Sheridan dropped 60 tonight. Yeah. Yeah. But and that, that was kind of what I was talking about when previewing this game. 
I think we knew Courthouse was going to score, but how is Courthouse's defense going to fare? Not well at all. Yeah. I mean, that's really been Courthouse's Achilles heel all season long. I mean, well, they gave up 54 points in that round one matchup against Columbus South. Um, that's just, like I said, and they gave up 60 to a Sheridan offense that's, you know, running a two QB system. Um, I, I mean, that's the Achilles heel there for Courthouse. Sheridan eventually took advantage of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Sheridan and Bloom Carroll are two very similar teams. Uh, they dropped a you know handful of games early in the season, had some tough opponents that they lost to, but ever since then they've just been trending upward. They've been building, they've been building, they've been building, and now they come on a collision course. And that game next weekend, that, I think that'll be a good one. Personally, uh, I'm thinking Bulldogs, I'm thinking Bloom Carroll in that ball game, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they got Armand Trout at running back, and I, I know he was one of the leave in Division Three. He was the Central District Player of the Year. So, I mean, they've got some talent there. Yeah, Bloom had the Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year in uh, re- or Division Three. It'll be interesting where they play that game. I could see it at yeah. like a Reynoldsburg. I, it, I, I could see it at has- Watkins Memorial. I, I could see that game possibly at Watkins Memorial. Uh, yeah, that, that would be a good one. How, there. how nice is Watkins you. Stadium? It. Yeah, you got me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How nice is Watkins? Uh, it's pretty big. They got two sides. They got two press boxes. Um, it's a good field there. They've hosted playoff games in the past. Uh, I think three years ago they hosted a playoff game between Bishop Hartley and Granville. So, I mean, they've hosted playoff games there. It's somewhat of a you know, an, an in the middle for both of those two. I, I would think that it's either going to be there or it's probably going to be at Lancaster High School. Um, that would be my two guesses of where they're going to put that, that game between uh, Bloom Carroll and Sheridan next week. Yeah, two schools not too far from each other, um, but I, I've i never heard of them playing each other, so it'll be interesting I to can, see. Yeah, Carl's going to try and see. find the history between the two programs. Um just weird seeing Sheridan drop 60. That's not yeah, how yeah. how the Red Rage wants to play, but I, I guess that's the sign of a good team. They can win in a variety of ways, and that's, I guess, what Sheridan did tonight. Yeah, and, you know, maybe that's what you need to do. I mean, they're going to have to put points up next week against a Bloom Carroll team that's honestly, I think they're just a, a, a better version of what Tri-Valley is. They're a Tri-Valley team with a a lot better offense. Uh, they've got that can, defense. Can Bloom throw nasty. the ball? Yeah. Yeah, that is that is going to be very interesting. I mean, they had that run heavy offense. They got Armand Trout at running back. He's mainly their their whole offensive unit. But uh, I think that they'll definitely be able to limit that shared offense. It's like you said. Can they put it all together on offense? Uh, according to this, I don't think they've ever played. Interesting. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I've never. I don't think they've ever played. That's that's wild. I mean, Tri Valley well, Knight. That was the first time they ever played because Bloom, Bloom Carroll also moved up this year division. They yes, were in D four last year. So I mean, they've been in different divisions. They've been up and down. So that might be part of it too. Yeah, but for two schools with, yeah. I'm not sure how good Bloom has been historically, but Sheridan's been a good program for at least this entire century. Uh, Bloom has definitely been solid the past uh, six, seven, eight years. So interesting that they're finally meeting in the playoffs. A winner moves on to the regional championship game. That that might be a game that if I'm going to go to a Friday game, that was going to be the game. That's I was the game I'm going to go to. 
yeah. hey, mm-hmm. carpool for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, hey, only an hour away. Only an hour it, away. It, it ain't too bad. Hey. We're yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, it's a nice hour long trip because road trip. I love, I love Sheridan. Going there is not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a rough drive from Athens. I can agree with you there. Yeah. Um, any, uh, what other games had, uh, had caught your eye in, uh, in the final scores that, uh, you obviously weren't able to be at because you were posted up at Jackson. Um, I heard that, uh, Nelsonville York game that you guys had on power one Oh five tonight was a really, uh, really fun game this evening. I'm interested to see how NY will match up against Worthington Christian or Bel Air next weekend. Now, especially if you're struggling against, uh, uh, I believe, yeah, against the seven seed tonight. Oh, Loudonville. Yeah. Loudonville is very good. They punched really above their weight, I think. And, uh, well, it was my brand of football. You know how I like my football, Cade. I yeah, like it yeah. smash mouth. You like the smash mouth football. That's you would love what it was. Ironman. You would love the Jackson Oh, Ironman. man, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, the offensive line play was beautiful. I loved every single second of that game. And <laughs> NY, NY scored a touchdown with six seconds ago to win it. Nice. Nice. So. It did you was, have did you have rushing stats from uh, the Jackson game? Kind of kind of curious. Uh, like, I only had touchdown stats. Gotcha. I don't have any actual like numbers on the evening. I would like to think that honestly, they probably ran the ball for like two hundred plus yards this evening. Yeah, uh, I mean, Wolford four touchdowns. Um, uh, no one, no one Johnson. Uh, yeah. all of their touchdowns were rushing this evening. Every single touchdown was rushed. Johnson's um, the bigger running back, right? Uh, he's honestly more of a speed back. They honestly, all three of the guys that they had in the backfield this evening were all more speed threat. Huh. Uh, Wolford, you know, more limber, um, speedy guy can hit the hole, can juke a little bit. Nolan Johnson, very similar to that. Um, Eli, uh, Browerman was very similar to that. They all, all three of them got their fair share of touches and all three of them found Pater, um, throughout the entire game. So, I mean, they can move the football with no matter who the heck they got in the backfield because their offensive line is, Giving them the holes to run through. Yeah, it's interesting seeing Jackson just rely on that running game. They haven't, uh, didn't really need to put the ball in the air all that often tonight. They get the win. I wonder if they'll have to throw it a bit more next week against Watterson and what. From, yep. from what I've heard of Watterson last week, I don't know how they would fare tonight against London, but Watterson last week against Hamilton Township in the round one matchup, the first half of that ball game, they could not stop Hamilton Township's rushing attack. And, I mean, Hamilton Township, if you can't stop that rushing attack, how are you going to stop Jackson's rushing attack when they've got a guy lined up at tight end who's just an extra left tackle? I mean, that's what they would run this year. So, I honestly, with you, I think that Bishop, or for Bishop Watterson, Jackson is not a matchup that's very savored favoring to them yeah that'll that'll be very interesting i mean these these divisions are setting up for some big big games coming up here soon it's uh it's exciting we've uh we touched division six already we just hit division three before we let you go there's one licking county team left standing yes there is the newark catholic green wave mm-hmm. what uh uh, obviously didn't didn't need to show a lot, but 35 nothing win over Portsmouth Notre Dame. They now play Waterford, who won the TVC Hawking title game rematch. This one was in Reedsville. Waterford gets it done once again. 
So uh, what, what do you think about a Newark Catholic squad you're pretty close to? Know, uh, know what's going on around there? Um, well, first off, their head coach, Ryan, I, oh, a great guy. Um, great coach overall. One of the, one of the better ones probably in any of the regions that involve Southeast Ohio. Um, he just has that team going. Uh, he tried to get a bigger job in the off season. Things just kind of didn't go his way. Ended up returning back to Newark Catholic and he's got that program and just an equal spot after losing a ton of talent last year as they, as they were the previous season. I mean, there's still probably going to be a team that can, in my opinion, I, I think that they can just run their way right to, um, right to the state semifinal. Now, beyond that, I'm not so sure. Um, but I think that they can get to that final four. I, I do feel like um, River could give them a ball game. I feel like it could be a decent game there for a regional final matchup next week. Um, I just don't think that Waterford has those athletes. Uh, they can c- contend with the guys from New York Catholic, especially since, uh, apparently, I don't know if any of you heard, have heard this, but Mason Hackett, uh, New York Catholic's main running back, has been out uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, he was out tonight. He did not play this evening. But just resting them up, uh, apparently he was sustained. I'm not sure which injury or what the injury was, but he sustained an injury late in the season. He's been resting up. They're getting him to where he needs to be to play 100%. So if you're going to have that guy playing 100%, playing well-rested, Going into the regional semifinal game and the regional final game, I would feel quite well if I was Coach Ryan Aiello. Plus, you still got a young quarterback as a sophomore, Miller Hutchison, who's been quite impressive this season. He's just done his job. That's all he needs to do. He just needs to be a game manager for that squad. He's done his job well. And I, I do think that Newark Catholic does win that region. Um, I really do. But like I said, beyond that, I'm not so sure. I'm a little bit in toss-up with him. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see, I think, Warren JFK. Uh, the team that they beat in the state semis last year is a team that I think could, I think that the winner of that game might end up being the state champion in D7 this year. I, I really do. JFK struggle tonight. Yeah, I was about to say that. JFK oh, struggling with New Milltown Springfield, only beating them 13-6. to six. Well, then maybe, you know, maybe Division 7 is wide open this year now that they don't have uh, the Kirklands and, and the for sales and, and the Marion locals. And, and uh, I mean, we should see it, man. And we'll, like you we'll mentioned about, like you mentioned about Hackett over 200 rushing yards against Heath, other uh, last couple games against Northridge Bishop, Bishop Rosecrans in Portsmouth, Notre Dame. I do. I think you might be underrating Waterford's ability to, uh, I could, I could be because 2021, they lost to shady side 27, 13. That's a two touchdown game. Uh, 2020, I don't think, uh, was Waterford's best year. Oh, they lost to River six to seven, um, in a, in a competitive game. Uh, I think 2018 and 2019 was when Waterford did well in the playoffs. Yeah. 2019 Waterford lost to Harvest Prep 35, 21, really giving them some trouble in the second round. Um, Mm -hmm. Harvest Prep would go on to, uh, fall to Lucas who ended up uh, losing in the state title game to Marion Local. That was in the uh, Harvest Prep made it to the Final Four. So, I mean, Waterford gave Harvest Prep trouble. And then in 2018, Waterford, um, I should know this, they lost to Lucas 33-14, uh, to 14, and Lucas uh, then fell to Trimble the uh, next week. But I-, I just think Waterford, like their program, they've had that ability to play play up to the competition and 
we'll see. We'll see if they can do it again. But uh, Kate, thanks for talking with us. Any uh, any last comments you got before we let you go? Uh, no, just thank you guys for having me tonight. Love talking football with you guys. Yes, sir. That was Cade Williamson. Worked on the Spectrum broadcast. He did. Of he did the tonight. Jackson Granville game. We gotta figure out who's. I, I'm down. I'm. Are you? Are you down to go to that game next week? As long as there's no basketball stuff, I gotta go to. I will. Uh, we gotta will figure partake. out who's driving. We gotta figure out who's driving. <laughs> In a blue, blue Sheridan. Yeah. Um, those goes. Oh, guess it's Cade. <laughs> Cade might have to work it. Um, uh, no, I, I don't think. I don't know if they're looking for uh, people in the third round because at that point, yeah, you got that probably got to split. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss a little further about Division Seven Region Twenty Seven, and also we'll touch Division Four and Division Five. Ooh, yes, you're listening to Football Friday Night, hosted by Michael Roth here on Power One Hundred Five. I love the Army. You just have this brotherhood that you can't find anywhere else. Since coming home from war, I've tried so many different things. I just remember thinking, like, it's over. After being forced to medically retire, Angie battled addiction to prescription medications, eventually losing her house and marriage. Then she found Wounded Warrior Project. And so I went online, I signed up, and I knew that Wounded Warrior Project was definitely my new community. One of the staff members, she put me in for peer mentor training. It was like for the first time someone recognized something good about me and thought that I had something to give back to someone else. Are you doing okay otherwise? I've kind of picked up woodworking with my grandfather, oh, yeah. so. 3D stuff. All those activities gave me a new way to live without drugs, a new way to live without feeling like I'm broken. You can live a meaningful life after traumatic experiences. You wouldn't go into battle alone. You don't have to fight this alone. Visit woundedwarriorproject.org slash not alone. Have you heard of Project Rise? Are you a parent in Athens, Meigs, Perry, or Vinton counties? We provide internships, job shadowing, work study, transition planning, and graduation coaching. All students and parents have free access to these resources. For more information, please find us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. There are numerous free events and resources that you need to know about. Act now. Project Rise will help you with your future after high school. Follow us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless, dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Power 105, weather. Look for sunny skies to change into just a plain old partly cloudy night as we fall from the 70s back down to the mid-50s. Saturday's super warm, but turning mostly cloudy. 78 degrees, probably a good 15 degrees above normal. Showers kick in very late Saturday night. We'll see some showers Sunday, but staying warm around 70, 72 degrees for the high. I'm 13 News Chief Meteorologist Spencer Atkins. Back here, football Friday night here on Power 105. I'm your host, Michael Roth. We've been bringing you the analysis from all across Southeast Ohio. We started local, Nelsonville, York, the only Athens County team left in the playoffs. They got a thrilling 14-7 to win 
over Loudonville tonight. They advanced to the regional semifinals for the first time since 2017. Carl Blalock was at that game. He gave his analysis from the field. We also heard from Cade Williamson, who was at the Jackson versus Granville game. Ironmen dominate physically and take down Granville. We then talked about the only Licking County team left in Newark Catholic. They await Waterford. I talked about Waterford's ability to kind of play up to their competition and give them a little trouble. Carl, you've seen Waterford a couple times this year, right? No, we haven't seen Waterford this year. I saw Eastern. That was it. Gotcha. You didn't go to the we didn't, we didn't Waterford know. game. No, because it ended up being the same week as uh, NYVC. NYVC, and oh. I was much rather watch that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I just, I would have guessed you would have seen Waterford. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. We, we, didn't, we didn't see Waterford this year. Uh, definitely, um, probably, hopefully get to see him next year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard they're good. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a strong culture out there. Um, the Wildcats, they, they kept coming up second to Trim, Trimble in the TBC Hawking. And this year, took advantage of a down year for the Tomcats. And they really broke through. And now Waterford is going to have a chance to slay the Dragon. They're going to take on Newark Catholic. And... I I am almost more interested in the other game in that region. Oh, 100%. It's River a rematch, Caldwell. though. River it Caldwell looks, sounds really good. Caldwell, a lot of people uh, weren't sure about Caldwell because they played a very poor schedule yeah. all season. Um, I mean, what, they were up 68 nothing at the half against uh, Belpre, weren't they? Yeah, and that was the final. But, I mean, this was, this was their non-conference. Three and seven, four and seven, one and nine, two and eight, zero oh and nine, and then conference play, lose to Fort Fry, um, forty-four to seven. I don't think Fort Fry it was Fort Fry in a conference. It's non-conference, yeah. yeah. Um, but their only wins against teams above five hundred: Canton Valley, who went six and five, and Shenandoah, who went seven and five. They score fifty-six against Scioteville East tonight. How good is Scioville East? I don't know. They might not be great. They lost South Gallia twice. I think River might run away with it. And I don't know why I thought this was a rematch. I confused uh, Caldwell and Barnesville for whatever reason. So smart on me. I I don't know how you confuse those two schools. No clue. (laughs) They're they're like completely different. They're completely different mascots. Come on. how, How can you forget about the Rocks? They had a good game tonight, didn't they? They they played Wheelersburg. They were up at Wheelersburg against at the half. I was stunned by that. They did not cover the spread given to them by McNeil. They didn't. It was like 22 and a half. Oof. 55-31. We'll get to that game a little later. Um, but River, yeah, I think River might take it too, Caldwell. I think um, I, I've been saying all year it was going to be River Newer Catholic. It, it wasn't like going on a ledge, but. I believed in this river team all year. They're only lost to a division five school that went 10 to no. I mean, we'll see, but that's a, that's a good playoff game. That's a good neutral site game. Both teams, 11 and one, two versus three seed. Yeah. It's a big game where, uh, I mean, that's probably going to be Marietta. I'd imagine. Uh, no, they, they keep it North. Oh, they river keep it North. Well, mm-hmm. they could go to like Cambridge. Cambridge would be a good spot for that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or Division Seven's on Saturday, right? Yeah, they're on Saturday. I mean, they could technically go to like Bel Air. If you no, want, they wouldn't have the a afternoon. day game. You could. You always no, could. I, I, I would hate that. I, I mean, I already don't like Saturday playoff games. Having to play in them, they were really annoying. And no, I don't mind day games. You see basketball, it sucks. Sometimes they do morning playoff games. You'll get a 10 a.m. No, playoff. No, game. I, I, never, I never heard of that before. I For it basketball? always no, like always we had we had a very uniform set thing up in Northwest Ohio. It'd always be Tuesdays and Fridays for Division Four. Tuesdays and Fridays, sectional sectional semifinal Tuesday, sectional final Friday, sectional se- or district semifinal Tuesday, district <laughs> final Friday. So district district finals in like bigger areas, Columbus and Cincy, they play them all day at one location for Division One. Hmm. So Columbus doesn't do it great. Columbus goes 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m. I think Cincy does it better. Cincy gets you in and out of there in two and a half hours instead of three, which makes a big difference. Cincy goes noon, 2.30, 5, 7.30. So yeah. that's that's the big difference because I, I hate the early morning district championship. How much of a playoff them. atmosphere can you have in that, really? Oh, trust me. It still gets crazy. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, because you get you get excited, especially with a sport like basketball. The kids are ready to go at 10 a.m. Like, trust me, there. Are... That, that would not be me. That would not be me at all. I mean, I'd be I'd be sitting. I mean, I'd still get excited. It, it also but... helps in the big areas. You're not going very far. Like, if you think all the big schools, like if yeah. you're going to the Columbus District Championship, the furthest you're probably coming from is like Olentangy or Pickerington. Yeah. At the Division One level. Um, since he's a little further, because you could come from like the north side of Dayton, that could be an hour long trip. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hate I, I hate morning playoff games, but it helps me as a scout to see everybody. So definitely some positives about it. But yeah, that that Division Seven region, I, I I know it hasn't looked the best analytically um, in a lot of. Uh, Sort of Martin RPI stuff. Yeah. Um, and whatever. But I think the final four teams are all pretty solid. It's yeah. not it's not the best division seven region in the state. But I think now once we get to the final four, those are some competitive teams. I mean, I don't even know who's coming out. I think out of Northwest, I mean, you got like out of the region uh that I called home for the longest time. I, I think you got Antwerp who, like, used to be the punching bag, and now they're actually really good. You got Antwerp and Macomb, really. Uh, let's see, Macomb so tonight. It's, it's uh, they one, beat Pandora Gaboa. Lima Central Catholic still in the weeds as well. It's one, two, four, and six seed. One seed Macomb against fourth-seeded Lima Central Catholic, and second-seeded Antwerp against sixth-seeded Gibsonburg. Yeah, Gibsonburg knocked out. Uh, they beat Waynesville Gosh, and Antwerp had needed a huge stop against Delphus Jefferson tonight. Uh, to win that one, yeah, but I mean, one. I mean, maybe I mean, Macomb is normally pretty solid, and Antwerp's having probably the best season they've had in their history. Do you think that Macomb Lima Central Catholic game is the de facto regional title game? Could be. Maybe um, Gibsonburgs look solid though. I will give Gibsonburg. They're really they had one good game. Uh, they've had one close game against uh, Margareta. And yeah, I mean, and their only losses are to two Division Six teams. Yeah, they lost to Hopewell Loudon, who are really good, 
and Ottawa Hills, who was also really good. So they, they've played a pretty tough schedule. I, I you know what? Uh, but uh, Gibsonburg might be a solid game. They, they'll give a solid game to and over Antwerp in but. Region tw- uh, Twenty Eight. Uh, you have Estonia versus New Bremen, one versus five seed, and second seeded Fort Loramie against six seeded Minster. Minster uh, took down Mechanicsburg. Mechanicsburg was close for the past couple of years, but could get by the MAC this year. Yeah, uh, they fall to uh, Minster, who is also. From the Mac, so yeah, I, I think it's going to be. I don't think Fort Loramie. I, I mean, they already played Newark Catholic. I, uh, I don't think they beat him the second time, even without Mason Hackett, even if he's not there. I, I, I don't, I don't see Fort Loramie winning. Fort Loramie might have figured things out. Like they're only <laughs> they lost to Versailles by five. Like that looks like a good loss. When did they play? Let's see. Uh, they edge Newark Catholic. Beat the crap out of Eden, but that's expected. Eden's not very good. Um, he only beat Columbus Academy by seven. Fort Lormy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Columbus Academy is pretty solid. They beat Centerburg pretty good. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Uh, that kind of leads us to our next point, Division 5. It, it's yeah. the four teams that I thought were going to be here. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I still, I got to give it. I got to give it to Barnesville. I was really impressed by how they did against Wheelersburg. They were they up at halftime. In the second half. They couldn't, but the fact that there was a close of a game, I'm impressed by them. That's kind of sad when you're giving the three seed props after losing by 24 at home to the six seed. I, I mean, you know, if you get rid of the seeds in that game, you know, Wheelersburg was the favorite by oh, far. 100%. I mean, Barnesville was just up there because they were 10-0. Yeah. I mean, it it just means different down southeast here. And uh, speaking of Division 5, I want to mention this because I saw a little bit. I don't know if you've seen the same thing on SEO preps, um, but I, I've seen rumors that Ironton might be getting kicked out of the OVC. Yeah, I mean, don't want to speculate too much. No, 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 like that, but so. – uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just something that surprised me that there's even rumors about that. I mean, it's understandable with how good Ironton is and how competitive the rest of uh, everything is down there. But it would it'd be a shakeup for sure. It would be. I, I would be. Interested. I wonder what Ironton's schedule would turn into. I assume they'd still want to play Portsmouth. I'd assume they'd probably still play Fairland. I wonder if they'd keep maybe a series with like Gallia, but that might be it from the OVC. Would they? If they went independent. Well, would the SOC want them? I if they went if they leave the OVC, I think they're going to stay independent. You think? They get mean... to play. They get to play the Columbus schools. They get to play like Bishop Hartley into Sales all the time, like whenever they wanted to, because those schools only have like four conference games or three conference games. So. True. They need the games, and Ironson's more than good enough to compete with them. Absolutely, and I mean, I just do think leaving the OVC. I'm not sure if that just like would that create the separation between Ironton and the rest of Southeast Ohio? Would it make it greater? I think it would. I do too. Because that's I why mean, I don't think it's a great thing. I think as long as like you play them every year, you can at least say, "Hey, like try and beat them." Look, look at Gallia. Look at Gallia. Gallia almost upset him. Yeah. So I don't I mean, know. I, I, I think I would 
I mean, I think it would, and they fit in the SOC one. I think uh, the one, uh, one or Not two, really. two. Not the S- it, which which one? Which one? Two is the bigger one, but like think about think about who's in the SOC two. It's Wheelersburg, dude. That's Portsmouth West. Do you think they're gonna play Oak Hill? Do you think they're gonna play Lucasville Valley? Yeah, well, I mean, look at the, they get the same thing with Chesapeake and Rock Hill. Chesapeake's good at other sports though. Mm. Like Chesapeake's good at basketball. I think they're good at baseball. Rock Hill, I'll give you that, but like, I, that'd be tough because the SOC2, it's Wheelersburg, Minford, Oak Hill, Waverly, Lucasville Valley, Portsmouth West. I mean, Waverly's down right now. Portsmouth West and Wheelersburg are good games. We'll see what Portsmouth West can do against them uh, next Friday, but I, I don't think. I don't think that's the answer for Ironton. I think the OVC is more competitive than the SOC too. And you saw what they did to the OVC. Everybody but Gallia, it was a 30-plus point game. Yeah. All right. No, I thought, no, Fairland was close. Fairland was only 20. Ah, uh, that's right. I forgot about that one. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like if they're going to uh, be in a conference down here, I think the SOC two would probably be the better be the best option for it, but even then, that's a stretch. I think the OVC makes more sense than the SOC. Oh, it would obviously, but yeah. I mean, just, unless you somehow find a way to bring back the SCOAL back together, and I, I think that everyone's pretty happy without that. Uh, Jackson's pretty happy in the FAC. Um, Athens is pretty happy in the TVC. You know, Logan's joining the OCC. I don't think you're gonna ever get that back. Why'd that even break up to begin with, actually thinking about that? I uh, I have no clue, but, I mean, let's talk about these games. Yes, Portsmouth West. Ironton. Ironton, that's going to be good. I think the proximity of the schools, I think the style that the two schools play, both teams can throw the ball, both teams want to be physical. This is, this has potential classic. If Portsmouth West can keep it close, it has potential classic. We got a caller coming in. Maybe they want to talk about what we're talking about. Hey, you're on the air. Football Friday night. Hey, it's Matt Frazy. How are you? Hi, hi Matt. Hey, the the big problem with the SEOAL, the, it expanded too much. At the time, uh, you had Ironton and Portsmouth in the SEOAL. Uh, Zanesville was also in at the time, so you had travel from, you know, from as far as Ironton to Zanesville. It's a three-hour drive. Isn't a, isn't a big deal on for a Friday football game, but when you were incorporating that into a Tuesday softball game or a Thursday volleyball game or whatever, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, it was also the first spike in, in fuel pricing when all that was going down. So they're, they're, they, the downfall of that league was basically overexpansion. Um, they went from a core that was, you know, basically you went from Athens, Gallia, Jackson, Warren, uh, you know, and the like Marietta, uh, Logan, you know, those core six. Uh, then they wanted to bring back old school teams with, you know, the likes of, that you were just talking about in Ironton and, and Portsmouth, 
and Zanesville wanted back in, you know, wanted in. So then you had a really big league over a really big area. A huge and, area. You know, economically, it just didn't make sense travel-wise, mm-hmm. you know, for the other sports. You know, football wasn't, like, you know, football, it's not such a big deal. No. But when you're talking, you know, a Tuesday night junior varsity game for, you know, a softball team mm-hmm. or something along that line that's a non-revenue sport, it, you know, it's it's very hard to would justify that those means. Would going, going to back to that without the teams from the north be all that crazy, though? Like if they really wanted to do it? I mean, you're not you're not getting Logan out of the OCC, though. No, I don't um, think you're going to get Logan back. No, I, I don't think I, so. I mean, I, I don't. I, I think that league is is a foregone conclusion. But just to answer your question on what happened to it, yeah, that's yeah. basically what happened was they they expanded, they kind of overexpanded themselves at a poor time, uh, and then the the school districts, you know, it just didn't make sense travel wise, you know, cost wise for everything. The, the travel became to be too much. Um, and then teams started dropping out. Yeah, which makes sense because so, I would, right. I, if I was Ironton or right. Portsmouth, I would never want to go to Zanesville for a baseball but, game. But that, that's what you were looking at. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know that that was the reality of the situation at the time. And you know Athens caught a lot of flack at the time when they left. You know, while you were ducking the league, you were ducking the competition. Well, that wasn't the whole equation. <laughs> And then you you quickly saw right after that a lot of other teams left for other reasons, you know you know Gallia Academy quickly left after and you know you know er, you know things of that nature happened shortly after other teams followed suit or other schools followed suit not necessarily teams but you know other schools found better options that fit their you know, fit their travel so that's why Marietta you know ended up where they ended up you know going to uh, the ECOL, ECOL and, and things of that nature. It just made more sense, you know, economically at the time. Um, maybe not necessarily from a football competitiveness um, at the time. You know, was, you know, Dover, New Philly, you know, those are teams that are really tough to compete with sometimes, you know, year in and year out for a team like Marietta. But um at the time, just economically, it was a move that had to be made for some schools. Yeah, and also so, you're looking at schools changing size. Like I'm sure Marietta right. was bigger relative to their peers back then compared to what sure. they are now, and other schools have gotten bigger while others have gotten smaller. Well, you know, at at that time, Athens was a, was a Division two, borderline three, kind of teetered back and forth. So it was Jackson, so is Gallia now. Gallia's fallen you know, down a little lower Athens has fallen down to a solid three now, not just a two. So, you know, school sizes have changed, you know, in the 10 years or whatever since. Um, you know, it, it looks a lot different now than it did back then. But when all that, when all those decisions were made uh, at that time, it was just, you know, things were a lot different. And, uh, you know, the, it just kind of overexpanded its size, itself size-wise. And it was its own downfall. And, you know, sadly, because, you know, the, the core group of that, if they would have stayed, remained where it was, if you were talking the, the, that core group, because, uh, you know, you had other teams that bounced in and out. Um, you know, Point Pleasant was in and out of the league, league you know, here and there as well. 
another school relatively the same size. But, you know, it kind of made sense at times. Other times it didn't. But, you know, if you were still talking those original, or, or well, I, I don't want to say original. When I was in school, the core six anyway, you know, Marietta, Gallia, Jackson, Logan, Athens, Warren. If that league were, were to exist today, I think it would be a, just as competitive and it would be a, a really nice league again, you know, still, if they would have just left it alone. But they went too far too fast, and uh, it kind of killed itself. And everybody has since found an option to kind of suit their own needs um, that fits themselves, you know, probably a little better now that that league is disbanded, and it will probably never be back. Um, you know, thinking, you know, I, I, don't, I can't think of a reason why you would bring it back. Um, you know, everybody has found an, an option that they kind of fit into just as well as they would with that league at this point. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It uh, seemed like it. Uh, everybody wanted a piece of the pie when it was the hot topic, and then it sure. stopped being the hot topic really quickly. It basically was the yeah. Big East. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, that, that 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 was that was kind of the downfall. But just yeah. to answer your question, and I'll let you guys get back to the playoff talk. It's a lot more exciting. But <laughs> just to answer the question, I know you guys weren't around back then. But I'll uh, just just answer that question for you, just so you don't have to wonder about it. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good night. Yeah, you too. That is color commentator of the Athens Bulldogs, yeah. Matt Frazee. Uh, giving us a, a history lesson. We were it's, much it's like I was in social studies class yeah. right there. Um, more exciting than most social studies classes I had. I didn't mind social studies class, but um, yeah, interesting seeing the history. And now, the now we're going to get that that Ironton Portsmouth West game that I think both towns have been looking forward to this when they saw the bracket come out. That's got to be in Portsmouth, right? It's going to be Portsmouth High School, right? Yeah, I really yeah. would have to. Because you couldn't host at Wheelersburg because they also play. I mean, you... Uh, the OHSA tries to avoid having schools that oh, play that's, that that's right, that's right, host. because then they'd have to They'd have to, they'd have, to have the parent volunteers yeah. not watch the game. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. Yeah, um, but I mean, I mean, Portsmouth would work fine. I mean... Oh, Portsmouth works perfectly. Yeah. So, it should be great. It should be a really wait. good game. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't two hours away, that might be another one that would be on the short list of games to go to. I mean... Yeah, it still wouldn't. I wouldn't mind going there. So it'll eh, be interesting. I think Sheridan, Blue if Sheridan. You're, if you're an Athens fan, yeah, you can't go wrong with either Ironton, Portsmouth West, or Bloom Sheridan. I think I'd lean Bloom Sheridan because assuming Ironton and Harvest Prep win, then you definitely go to that. Yeah. Week. Well, I mean, but think about it. If you go to, oh, no, that's Port. That's not, that's not Fairland. Never mind. Because I was sitting there thinking, you know, that's close enough to Huntington. We could get cookout. But no, it's not close enough to Huntington to get cookout. Um, big cookout fans on yes. football Friday night here. But yeah, it'll be interesting because Portsmouth West, their defense was dominant tonight against Columbus Academy, where Ironton, it, it seemed like they scored the first like five out of the first six times they touched the ball. Ironton's back playing state title winning football, but this Portsmouth West team, they look like they have the recipe to be giant slayers. Like yeah. when you look at their team on paper, senior quarterback who has been there before, 
they have a superstar in Ryan Sissel, who's one of the best offensive and defensive players in Southeast Ohio. They've got wide receivers who have made plays. They've won big games. They beat Wheelersburg. They took it to Portsmouth. They just beat Columbus Academy. We'll see. I, I think Ironton's definitely going to win. You, you got to consider them a, a prohibitive favorite, but this is going to be an interesting matchup. And also, on the other side, yeah, you get the Pratt. rematch of the regional final last year. So... Harvest Prep took it to him last year after Berg. Berg last year played the perfect game Wheelersburg had to play, and it still wasn't good enough. And that's what I worry about with Wheelersburg. Because last year, Berg got the early lead. Berg tried sitting on it, and I think Berg got a turnover or two. And mm -hmm. it still wasn't enough. And unless Berg does all that again... It's just going to be tough because it seemed like their defense had some cracks tonight against Barnesville. You're down at the half. Obviously, offense turned it on. I don't think against Harvest Prep, you're just going to be able to turn on the offense like that. However, the Warriors, they struggled a lot more with West Muskingum than I expected. Yeah, the Tornadoes gave them a pretty good game. Yeah, it ended up 47-16, to 16, but it was competitive for a while. So, I don't know. I maybe I just, Berg is the word. Berg, Berg might be the word, but it's it's going to be interesting because I feel like last year, Wheelersburg played the perfect game until it wasn't. It wasn't good enough, and maybe they got more passing offense. Maybe some of their explosive playmakers on the outside are a year older and they're ready to go. I just feel like after watching, because I watched most of that game last year on live stream, I think after watching that game last year, I went, if that doesn't beat Harvest Prep, how does Wheelersburg beat Harvest Prep? Like, I watched that game, and I was like, Wheelersburg played their perfect game, and it wasn't good enough. This year, is their perfect game going to be good enough? We'll have to see. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, but I think if Ironton wins, either regional championship game is going to be a must-see TV. Oh, Must-watch. I mean, we were sitting there. I remember I was – I'm already sitting there trying to plan out, you know, all right, between Canal, Winchester, and Ironton, where are we going? Jackson, Chillicothe. Yeah, also, if it's – if it's Ironton-Berg. Oh, it's just Ironton-Berg. I mean, that's that's a given as well. Nuts. That's going to be wild. Like, I, yeah, I have no idea where you would play that game. That's going to be big enough. Yeah, no, I mean... Because, like, where would you want to play that game? Where, where did they play last year? Uh, it's a great question. Portsmouth, I think. Hmm. So They probably have to do that again. Yeah. You would want the game at Ironton in terms of stadium size. But That's you can't just, have it No, you can't have a home team. Yeah. But, like, when you look at, like, where would a team around there want to play? You'd want to have the game at Ironton because of how big it is. Yeah, I mean... You that, can't do that. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if tickets would sell out and how quickly. Because I mean, what? How quickly did tickets sell out for Saint X Muller? I, mean, I think they sold out in like ten minutes. Yeah, that's crazy. I think Muller took it too, and I saw they were up twenty-one nothing. Eh, I didn't. I didn't pay attention much to Cincinnati. We'll get you Muller, Saint Xavier. It was twenty-eight to seven. Muller, potential state title favorite. 
only loss of the year to St. Edward, who is also a potential state title favorite. But we're going to take a break. We'll look a little bit at Division Four. No Southeast Ohio teams left in Division Four. A couple Columbus teams, a couple Eastern Ohio teams left. You're listening to Football Friday Night here on Power 105. Hi, this is Kevin Peterson, the host of Sunrise here every weekend. And if you haven't heard the show yet, check it out this weekend and hear what you've been missing. Sunday mornings at 8 on Power 105. So, uh, this date was really fun. Yeah, thanks for dinner. For sure. <clears throat> for sure. Mm. Not really sure why I'm playing with my keys. I, <laughs> I literally took an Uber here. Oh, me too. Well, <laughs> can I drive around? Start the night out right. Because you can't drive drunk if you don't drive there. Decide to ride. This message is brought to you by Anheuser-Busch, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and Uber. Copyright 2022, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Spilled your milkshake? Quick, the quicker picker upper. Bounty picks up spills quicker. And each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less than the leading ordinary brand. So you can get back to your milkshake. Bounty, the quicker picker upper. Hey, Dag Prescott here. Why do I choose proven quality sleep from Sleep Number? Because better sleep elevates my game. My Sleep Number 360 smart bed helps me fall asleep faster, keeps me cool, and effortlessly adjusts for my best sleep. That's more focus, more edge, and more highlights. And that means more wins for all of us. Save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed Plus Special Financing. Ends Monday. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Power 105. Weather. Look for sunny skies to change into just a plain old partly cloudy night as we fall from the 70s back down to the mid-50s. Saturday's super warm, but turning mostly cloudy. 78 degrees, probably a good 15 degrees above normal. Showers kick in very late Saturday night. We'll see some showers Sunday, but staying warm around 70, 72 degrees for the high. I'm 13 News Chief Meteorologist Spencer Atkins. Back here on Football Friday Night, I'm your host, Michael Roth. And uh, was it a full moon tonight? I don't know. A lot of, a lot of crazy action. The one, of... the one team I do want to shout out here is um, one of the few undefeated teams in Southeast Ohio, Zane Trace, they fell to Madeira. I saw that. I was surprised by that. Oh, I, I was, was not at all. So, really? No. Are they not good? Um, I just think Madeira was pretty strong. That that whole region was pretty strong. The top uh, the top seven seeds, nine and one, nine and zero, oh, ten and zero, oh, ten and zero, oh, nine and one, nine and one, nine and one. That's just a tough region. That sounds that sounds like the region I was in when we should have won state in 2018. My goodness, that's wild. Yeah, and left you have Brookville, the sixth seed. They play against, and Brookville is sitting at 11 and one. They play against 12 and 0 Milton Union, who is the two seed. And Valley View at 11 and one has a battle with 11 and one Madeira. So wanted to make sure 
Zane Trace got shouted out because they were SVC champions, went undefeated, um, and they were really the only Southeast Ohio team playing in, like, a non-Southeast Ohio region. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but moving to Division Four, Region 15, uh, one seed St. Clairsville. They were on upset alert, according to Drew Pastor, and it seems like his uh, instincts were right because he nailed this one, and you were talking off-air. Uh, Dublin Jerome also falls, so I believe those were the two... Uh, number one seeds most likely to fall. Both of them do. St. Clairsville falls 24-21. They cannot recover an onside kick uh, after scoring with about one minute to play. And Bishop I, Reedy kneels the clock out. I mean, that's not surprising. You knew this was going to happen when you when you were going to let some of these uh, some of these Catholic schools that uh, you know, even if they have bad seasons, that you know, I, I feel like this is something we're going to see a lot more of and. Reedy had a decent year, though. They they went six did. and three. Their only losses: Bishop Watterson, Harvest Prep, uh, and at Buckeye Valley in double overtime. So, the, the thing about Reedy's schedule was they didn't. I think their best win was maybe Whitehall, which doesn't really jump off the page. No. Um, oh, Whitehall! Whitehall did have a few good games. Didn't they play? They played Granville really close week one, right? Uh, Eighteen to seven. Yep. So. Not too stunning, Steubenville, um, with a 31 nothing shutout against Bishop Hartley. That was uh, maybe a little surprising. Steubenville played their 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, their ninth home game of the season. Um, That's so, crazy. I mean, seven, uh, we seven talk, regular yeah, season. We talked about that before. I last think. year, well, last year, I think they played nine regular season home games. How does that happen? Yep, nine regular season home games. I guess they just schedule teams that just want to come to them. I guess. So. Ironton should do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, know how Steubenville convinces, like, Archbishop Carroll from D.C. to come to them or University Prep. But, yeah, Steubenville. They're going to play a Columbus East squad that won a thriller against Cambridge. Double overtime. Needed a two-point conversion at the end. They get it. They win 40-39 to 39 over Cambridge in double OT. Good for Columbus East. Good story out of the Columbus City League. Yeah, I mean, and in that game, uh, Grand Island Glory reporter, I know, Grayson Wolf, both of our friends, uh, both, both friend of both of us. Uh, I wonder if he has any hair left. He's seen some great games this year. He has. And the OVC is really or o, OVC. Oh, oh no, OVAC. Sorry, OVAC has really put together some really incredible games. And Caden Moore is that guy. Yeah, so Columbus East, they'll uh, they'll have the tall task of facing Steubenville, and then Bishop Reedy will be met by Indian Valley. Indian Valley beats Galley Academy thirty-five fourteen. Not too surprising. No, not very close, but. I, I really want to talk about just the wild finishes that we saw around the state tonight. Uh, Cambridge, Columbus East is one of them. The game we had on here, NY Loudonville, that's another one that was just absolutely crazy. I, I easily the best game I've watched all year. Um, you had up in the northwest part of the state, Van Wert, uh, Perkins. Van Wert uh, won the game. They were up 23-22 blocked the game-winning field goal attempt and took it back to the house to uh maybe that was a backdoor cover i don't know but uh <laughs> 20 29 22 st ignatius the they did not cover but they won yeah um, down 40 
42 to 14 at half, and they win 50 to 49. Uh, we talked a little about in Division 7, Antwerp. They played Delphus Jefferson. I mean, they had to hold on in that one, uh, forced a turnover on downs with 18 seconds to go to pull that one out by one. Uh, I mean, there were just a lot of really, really good ball games tonight. Uh, and I'm sure it's I'm just going to get better next few. week. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm missing a few as well. Uh, Western Brown needed a late touchdown to beat uh, 7-4-0 zone host Jacob Murray's alma mater, Monroe. Wow, Monroe did really good with that. Um, I'm trying to look at some more scores here. And I mean, it's just how about, how about Watkins season comes to an end. They look really good this year. Uh, they fell a big nut. What was the final? Uh, 35-21. Oh, more competitive than I thought it would be. Good for uh, good for Watkins. A big uh, big bounce back season. They were haven't been the strongest program year over year, but made some big steps this year. Split the Licking County League title, and uh, yeah, more to build on. Division two is tough. Once you get past Division three, Division two is tough in the playoffs. How about? Ken McKinley almost took down Minner. Yeah, that was, uh, I think it was a close game in the regular season when they played. I'm not sure uh, what the final score was, but I think. 1914 uh, was a final tonight. Uh, another interesting one out of Division Six, up in the Northwest uh, region. Carey falls to Colonel Crawford. Carey was. State champs, 26-game win streak. Yeah. I believe they had the longest active win streak in the state. They might have. Well, it's gone now. Colonel Crawford beats them. Because I'm pretty sure uh, Kirtland had it for a while. And then I think... Uh, I think Carey had it then. Because I'm pretty sure they were the only unbeaten state champ that was unbeaten this year. Wouldn't that make sense? Sounds about right. So, I forgot I forgot they won it last year, to be honest. Yeah, they won D6. Yeah. They beat... Uh, they beat Kirtland? Or did Kirtland move up? Or they no, was Kirtland was Division Five. Okay, that makes so, sense. Fort Fry lost to West Jefferson. Who did West Jefferson lose to? Mechanicsburg. Maybe I, I'm not sure. We can get it very soon if you got Carry. Twenty twenty one. Yep. Messed up on the phone. Probably somebody who knows this. Uh, they beat Coldwater. Oh, right. Because Coldwater took down West Jeff. Yeah, because Coldwater, Coldwater is just that team. But not this year. They had a tough game against, who was it they played? Tonight? Huron. They play, yeah, Huron. Huron was up at the half, 3 nothing. And Coldwater is not looking super good this year. I, I As much as I, I, I think Ironton or Harvest Prep, whoever they play, I, I think they would roll Coldwater this year. I would not be. I would not be afraid to say Ironton. Well, Ironton Coldwater can, might not make it there. Yeah, Coldwater's Coldwater's looked rough the last few weeks. Um, They're in Region 18. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So they play. They play Liberty Center, who's sitting at 12 and 0. Oh, right. They're going to lose to Liberty Center next week. And I'm telling you that right now. That that is a team that's about. That, that's a team about an hour away, hour east of where I'm at, and. Liberty Center is having one of the best seasons. I, I think actually they might take down Coldwater. That would be a huge win for them. The Tigers up Liberty, at Liberty Center, Center doesn't. I don't know what their great win is though. Maybe Archbold six. Archbold's nothing. very good. 
Archbold's very good. So that that's a really good win. Archbold's been a really good program. They were always a measuring stick because Archbold, what, they're D5, I think, D5, yeah. D4? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were always, we always scrimmaged them at Edgerton. We, that would be a team that we always scrimmage, and that would be the measuring stick. The, the year 2018, the year we went to states, or the year we should have gone to state, the year we made it to the regional final uh, at my alma mater, we played Archbold. And, uh, we scrimmaged them, and I think we held them to seven points. I think we won that scrimmage like three touchdowns to one. It was one of the it was the first scrimmage of the year, but I remember sitting there, and their coach was angry at them. I think he actually got fired over it, to be honest. But uh, he th- that that was just how they looked. We looked good uh, against them, and that's one of those measuring stick wins. So that that's a that's a really good win for Liberty Center. They they could be a team to come out of Division Five up there. Yeah, I, I think I think Coldwater could lose to them, if yeah, I'm being be, honest. It'll be interesting. It seems like all of um, all of Division Five has a lot of um, competitive teams. Uh, speaking of uh, not competitive teams, uh, did you see the IMG score tonight? Ninety eight nothing at the half, or was Six. it ninety six? Ninety six. Yeah, yeah. Is that Bishop half. Sycamore two point I don't even know. I didn't. Who do they even play? West Toronto Prep. I know I saw someone on Twitter Googled them and it was, uh, it was nothing. I mean, like so, if you're IMG, why do you agree to play them? Like there's definitely better schools that want to play you. Are you getting kickbacks from them? What do you mean? Like, like, could you get kickbacks from the, you know, the, the money that they're pretty much gaining? I mean, I, I feel like that's part of the reason why they did, why, uh, why they played Bishop Sycamore. Yeah, but I don't think this game was like nationally televised or hyped. So why? Would no, you... it wasn't. But you, I mean, maybe you still get kickbacks from it. You, know, you, you still could, get. I mean, you could play somebody that you're not up ninety six nothing at halftime against and get money from it. Well, yeah, well, it wouldn't be as you know, it wouldn't be as you know, clean money. I, I guess that'd be too too clean money if you get what I'm saying. Like, because the whole point of these Bishop Sycamore pretty much scams is the fact that they take a bunch of money from like these kids. Do they get a cut of the money if if they play them? No, my argument is why would IMG ever agree to play this West Toronto prep team? And that's what I'm saying. Like, do they get like a cut of money from uh, whatever scam that, that that might be? Like in the Bishop Sycamore situation, I'm saying. No, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about because like the whole thing is it wasn't, it wasn't the whole thing with Bishop Sycamore that people were like uh, they they like they got the money from all these kids to come to this academy to play football and then they just didn't have the, the money just disappeared. Well, I thought, yeah, you, so you need money for hotels. You're not paying like IMG to play them. No, but wait, where yeah. do you think IMG is profiting from winning 96, nothing at halftime against this game? Where, where do you think this imaginary money is coming from? Um, dirty places. I'd, you could just play literally anybody who, who would be better. Like they could have played. Um, I'm going to think of an Ohio high school that's eliminated. That was eliminated round one that they could have played that would have been better than West Toronto prep. The we'll team go. the team that Little Miami beat? No, we'll go division four. They could have played Fairfield, who lost to St. X, 42-28 in round one. They could have played them. Yeah. And I, I would put my life savings and my parents' house. It would not be 96 nothing at halftime. Or you could play uh, the two seed that got knocked out uh, by Little Miami, which that was something. Well, you want to know, uh, my roommate goes to Little Miami, and tell you what, he was hype about that. 
last week. Little Miami, the only 15 seed to win, and, and they lost tonight. But, you know, whoever they – I think they played Springfield. You know, you could you'd have Springfield play IMG Academy. Little Miami, what a – Cincinnati area. Oh, they played – so they uh, beat Xenia. Their division Xenia. two. They yeah. lost to Anderson. So. Yeah, they – I mean, you wouldn't expect the 15 seeds to go very far with that. But, uh, I, you know – I mean, you got 10 seeds sitting in the uh, – Regional semis. Yeah, I guess. Uh, they're just the amount of games tonight that just crazy finishes, crazy whatever, and the amount that we're setting up next week. Why don't we just skip to this point? Why don't we just have this to begin with? Mm, because I think some of the games got better with some of the round one, like, upsets with the actual better teams just winning. Also, West Toronto prep... Uh, their physical location, it's it, it it's just like a bunch of fields. I'm yeah, I sure. know. I saw that. that yeah, that's I, that's that's the sure same tweet I on. saw. So like that's where I'm sitting there. Like, hmm, another expose on them, perhaps. Yeah, it's um, which I I don't know if if you're running these like, you know, whatever. What do they even call these at this point? Prep schools. Well, not even the prep schools, the ones that are basically scams. Or what do you call them? I mean, I don't know what exactly what they're called, but like. Somebody said West Toronto prep playing IMG is getting a new game right out the box, not reading any directions about it and skipping straight to the final boss. Because IMG is yeah. kind of the final boss of high school football. They are. And like, I, I don't understand why if you're running these scams pretty much. Why do you keep playing IMG Academy? Like you're gonna get fouled out. I think I think the onus is more on IMG. I think IMG is the one who needs to be held accountable. Oh no, both. But like yeah, but IMG is the one who has the power here. IMG can just be like, yeah, we will never play you. They're the best team in the country. They is... get messages from thousands of teams across the country to play them every year. Oh, the no, fact 100%. that IMG cannot agree to play somebody better than West Toronto Prep. Like, whoever scheduled that game for IMG, like, whoever agreed to that, like, there need to be repercussions for that person. Well, I, I don't understand why you would want to take it. Why would you want to go on a national stage and play IMG? Look at Bishop Sycamore. It they makes were sense, they, it Bishop makes sense Sycamore. for neither side. Yeah, like, Bishop Sycamore, you were fine. You were flying under the radar fine playing against, like, Aurora. Yeah. You know, like, why, why, why would you even want to be on ESPN? I don't know. I mean, there's more now. Pe more people know about West Toronto Prep. They do. I don't think that's a good thing if you're running West Toronto Prep, considering the fact that the physical location is. The other crazy thing park. is ninety-six to nothing. That's uh at the half. I mean, to to be fair, that's I mean four points a minute. So that's ah, a touchdown that's every I minute mean, thirty, homie. You could kneel the ball every time and take two minutes. Off the clock. I, I mean, we. I. I, I told you about uh, I Hilltop. I could kneel it. I, I could kneel it every time. Take two minutes off the clock. I would not be down ninety-eight nothing. If we wanted to, we could. Uh, if we wanted to, like quite a few times, um, pretty much every single time. My high school plays Hilltop up in Northwest Ohio. Like this year, we weren't even that good, and we were up like fifty-six nothing at the end of the first quarter. To this team because they throw the ball well they try to throw the ball they can't throw the ball but they throw the ball and then uh 
yeah, I just don't, it doesn't work, you know, yeah. lo and behold, you know. Show's <laughs> gotten off the rails a little bit at the end here, but um, yeah. uh, three minutes left, got some big college football this weekend, Tennessee, Georgia, Carl, you got pick? Rocky Top. Wow. You're going to go against your brand of football. I am going to go against my brand of football. but On the road. <sighs> Rocky Top, dude. Wow. Rocky Top. Bold, bold, bold. Uh, Bama at LSU. Bama, and please get, a, get us back to BCS, at least the computers, if not the full system, please. LSU's not a top 10 team. They are not a top 10 team. Who's that number 11? Literally anybody better than LSU. LSU is not a top 10 team. Well, Ole Miss is at 11. And okay. LSU just beat them by 25. LSU is not a top 10 team. And you think UCLA is a top 10 team? More than LSU. They should have lost to South Alabama. LSU is not good. LSU is going to lose by 30 to Bama, and Bama's not that good. You heard it here first from Carl. Nobody is good in college football. <laughs> Tennessee, ten, Tennessee is good. Georgia is good. Ohio State is good. Michigan is good. Maybe we should just have four good teams. Yes, there is. There is. You can't tell me I'm wrong. You think Clemson loses their first game of the year? I think Cle Clemson's not good. You, 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 you got to okay. put Clem Clemson's going to look like Oklahoma out there if they make the college football playoff, and that's why there should be two teams. BCS. God system, BCS. Carl keeps clapping for it. I want the BCS. <laughs> well, that uh, that'll wrap up um, our show for tonight. Hope uh, hope everybody enjoyed. We'll have a uh, full show. Uh, we'll have actually no show next week, um, but we will have the Nelsonville York Buckeyes game, which will be on Saturday. Pre-game show starts at six thirty. So be sure to tune in for that next Saturday. This has been your host, Michael Roth, signing off. This has been Football Friday Night Post Game, presented by Atomic Credit Union, Minuteman Press, Wendy's, Airline Church of Christ, Donato's, and Steve Abdello of Auto Exchange.